Mother's Day is tomorrow. But moms aren't important or recognized just on one day, are they? I'm Annalise. This is the good, the bad, the family. Join me today as I discuss being a mom, having a mom, the complicated relationship of moms, and all that's in between. Thank you for joining me today. I cannot believe that Mother's Day is tomorrow and that it is already like the middle of May almost. And um, it's just crazy. So Mother's Day is tomorrow. And I'm kind of curious how everyone celebrates Mother's Day. I'm sure it is vastly different amongst everybody listening. Um, you know, I know Mother's Day is about flowers and tea and cards and celebrating mom. But I also think, what if you don't have a mom to celebrate, whether you didn't have a healthy relationship with your mom or maybe your mom has passed away. And I think that Mother's Day for many can be a period where they grieve and they don't really have that celebration that um, Hallmark gift cards are displaying on their stands. And so I think it's important to talk about why are moms so important? What is it about moms? What is it about our relationship with moms? I mean, I definitely think I would need hours and hours and I could probably write like a, you know, 50 re page research paper on it, but we'll just have like a, a short discussion on why moms are so important and touch on on maybe some of the the points. And if you want to get more into it, we could probably do like a mom's part two. Uh, but for now, let's just kind of get into why are moms important? What do moms mean? Um, I know tomorrow I'm celebrating Mother's Day with my mom, which is kind of a strange thing because we've not spent a lot of time together uh, with everything going on with COVID-19. I mean, we haven't really spent any time together. Last weekend was the first time that we saw each other in person um, for more than just like a drive-by birthday wave. All three of my kids had their birthday in April. And so that was kind of interesting and strange, but also just great because we're used to seeing each other like two or three times a week. So going two months without seeing each other was really hard. But um, we're going to do something really special for my mom tomorrow. And I'm very excited about it. And all the, the grandkids who live in New Mexico will be there and celebrating with her. And I know that Mother's Day is a hard day for my mom because she didn't have a healthy relationship with her own mother who um, passed away a couple years ago. And so it's not, it's like a complicated time for her. And I uh, am very sensitive to that and aware of that. And I think, um, you know, for every time that we say happy Mother's Day and smile big and celebrate it in a huge way to show our love for her, it's also like a reflection of the the difficult times she had with her mom. So it's hard because it's like you kind of, you lose for trying, but if you don't try, you lose too. So, you know, we just, we're just sensitive to it and, and we honor that it's a hard time for her and just we let, let it be what it is. Um, but I think too, like moms also hold a really important place in the family structure and family dynamic. First, because there could be no children without mothers, uh, birth mothers, pregnancy and childbirth. And pregnancy is like a whole other bag of chips in itself. And I definitely plan to have a great 
um, podcast with my sister who's pregnant right now and due in July because I I delivered three children and um, pregnancy is wow it's fun and exciting and stressful and moms do it every day everywhere around the world moms are pregnant and they deliver their children and unfortunately sometimes moms are pregnant and they don't deliver their children and I know I have a lot of friends who have miscarried. Um, and, and some that have, have gone even into their third trimester and not been able to deliver their baby to um, survive. And I think that they're still mothers too, because pregnancy is a beautiful thing, especially once you feel the baby kicking and you name your baby or you know the gender or you start decorating their room. Pregnancy is a beautiful thing and scary and essential. Without pregnancy, we wouldn't have the billions of people in this world. So I think it's really important. And um, sort of beyond that, like after the child is born, you have that initial attachment. And, um, you know, babies bond to their mothers uh, right away. Whether you're nursing, uh, breastfeeding, or, or doing bottle and formula, babies bond. And they bond to that caretaker. So there's a really important thing that we study in um, therapy and counseling and psychology, and it's called attachment theory. And I'm I'm not going to science up this podcast by going into attachment theory super deep, but I think it's important to understand what attachment means in the context of a uh, child and mother or child and caretaker. So attachment, a healthy attachment, because there's all different kinds of attachments, but A healthy attachment is when a child's parent can share a deep love that is unconditional and they provide a safe and nurturing environment. So healthy attachment is when the child bonds with the parent and feels safe with the parent. And um, not every every kid gets that. And I think, um, you know, Mother's Day is about celebrating those healthy attachments to our mom. Or, you know... Some kids, they're adopted, and so they didn't bond with their mother at birth. But you can attach, have a healthy attachment to your caregiver later in life. And that's kind of a whole other thing, too, because you have kids who never attached to any caregiver, mom, dad, grandparent, um, you know, foster parent. They didn't attach to anyone, and then it really affects them negatively in their life. Or they had insecure attachments where, you know, maybe they had a parent who was mentally ill and could not care for them in a healthy way. And then now they overattach and they get really clingy and bond. You know, and I've seen this um, in sessions with clients where you have a child who has an insecure attachment with a parent and they're sitting on your lap or like trying to get close to you and hug you. And it's like, these are not appropriate boundaries. And so attachment sort of helps children learn what appropriate boundaries are too. Um, I think... One of my most favorite groups I ever co-facilitated with my supervisor was nur- Nurturing Parenting. And we used the book Nurturing Parenting by Dr. Stephen Bavlik. I think I'm saying that right. And I'm going to read a quote from his book. To nurture is to promote the growth and development of all one's positive traits, qualities, and characteristics. To nurture is to respect and care for yourself, for others, and for your environment. And to me, 
This really means that we bring out the best in our children. We nurture them and we highlight and grow and, and, and really try to bring out the best in our kids. And it also means to care for ourselves and we model that behavior for them. So we, um, you know, we adopt healthy habits, um, physically, mentally, spiritually, we are healthy and caring for ourselves. And then we care for the greater, uh, environment outside of ourselves, whether it's our community or the nature environment around ourselves. We don't just trash the earth and treat it like garbage because that's not showing a nurturing behavior. So it's, it's encompassing all things living. And I think too, um, when you have nurturing parents and a healthy attachment, you really help your children to develop empathy. And when kids develop empathy, they can imagine themselves and the feelings of somebody else. So when they see a hurt kid, they empathize with them by imagining what that kid feels like and then in a way sort of feeling that themselves. And uh, it's a lot different from sympathy. And I think it's important to know that parents, parents, are responsible for teaching empathy. So why is this important to moms? Because moms are typically that first bond that kids get. They're that first attachment. And I think even as as progressive as our world is today, um, it's still true that moms are that first attachment. Uh, moms get the, the maternity leave, whereas typically dads do not. And so moms are the ones spending the most time with the child during those first uh, few months and first stages of attachment. But I think it is true though that kids really do attach to their father or to maybe the um, the the mother who doesn't necessarily stay home, but the other mother does. And so there's, there's all different kinds of ways that kids can develop attachments, but it's typically with that main caregiver, the main person who stays with them during their fundamental development stage as an infant. Um, and so I can imagine that as like a single mom, this would be really challenging to to develop healthy attachments with your baby. So it's important that kids have a consistent caregiver. So a grandma or grandpa or a um, uh, like maybe a hired caregiver who's consistent in their life. So they can develop an attachment with them and not have all these people coming in and out of their life. It's so important to have that consistency. Um, and I think, you know, again, like having a mother with a mental illness can really hinder that attachment. Um, and and when I say mental illness, I don't mean like, um, you know, uh, sadness or maybe some mild anxiety. I mean like a severe mental illness, like postpartum depression or bipolar disorder or like severe anxiety that prevents a mom from going out to the store and buying the formula or even holding her baby while she's crying. There, so a severe mental illness that hinders that attachment. Um, and even, even um, you know, and when I say mother, I do mean too like that main caregiver. So moms hold a lot of responsibility. And I've been having this conversation with my husband recently about this sort of this, this mental list that I have in my head of all the responsibilities that I have. And when I started back at work, uh, it became really difficult because then I was managing my mental list for home, my mental list for work, and trying to find that balance. And, uh, you know, despite my efforts, my husband's mental list has still not grown. I'm sure it will get there, though. I'm just kidding. It's really, it's really more of just my own 
automatic thoughts. And, um, you know, I, I've done it day in and day out. So it just becomes so automatic of knowing what groceries need to get picked up, knowing what the kids need for their classes. All those things that moms do, they, they build up and we carry them in a giant backpack on our back all the time. And, um, you know, whether you're single, married, or dating, or whatever, moms have a huge responsibility. Moms are responsible for not just the caring of the child physically, but emotionally too. And so I think what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to read a letter that was sent in about the challenges of a relationship with mom. And I, I think she really speaks to how she's personally overcome that or is overcoming that. And uh, I think it's important as we celebrate Mother's Day to kind of recognize that it's not always easy uh, for everybody. So I'm going to go ahead and read that and then we'll have a discussion about it. During my senior year of high school, I remember telling my mother I felt depressed. Everything was good in her eyes. I was graduating with a 4.0 and headed to college. Life couldn't be better. But in the midst of that, I was still grieving the loss of my grandmother, who was actually like a mother to me. The other person was my father, who was not in my life at the time. I was doing what I had to do, but overall I wasn't happy. My mom told me I had nothing to be depressed about, and that was that. We didn't talk about it again. I needed help. I needed someone else to see life as it was for me and understand why I was depressed. So now, as an adult, I don't feel comfortable sharing my emotions with others because there is a fear of those feelings being minimized and not validated. It has been difficult to connect and build close relationships and romantic relationships because of my fear and inability to trust others with my true feelings. Over time, I had to realize that my mom did her best and that she didn't intend to hurt me in this way. I later found out that she tends to compare her own misfortune to others she thinks are worse in order to move forward emotionally and not get stuck. All she did was impose that process onto me and my emotional response. I have learned to take responsibility for myself instead of charging her with the duty to fix me. That helped me to forgive her and identify the positive impacts she did have on my life, like my ability to think for myself. As an adult, I value that quality more than anything. Although our relationship isn't perfect, I love her. I can see that by taking the time to work through that childhood wound as an adult, I was able to change the trajectory of my relationship with my mother and restore the bond that was meant to be. Wow. This story is a really good example of how mothers can have a huge impact positive and negative on their child's life. And I think that, you know, I'm really grateful that this person wrote in and shared this particular story as we discuss Mother's Day and moms and being a mom and having a mom because it's it's highlighting that our relationship with our mother is not um black and white. It's it's very fluid and it can change and it can grow. And I think that this is a really good example of how when we are children, we're so affected by that relationship because we're so connected emotionally. But then we become adults and there's this weird stage between like 19 and, you know, maybe our late 20s or early 30s where we're just kind of like, 
who am I as an adult and how, you know, how can I move past some of these things that were hardships for me as a child? And during that stage, we can do what like this person did where we can move through those hardships and relationships with our parents or, um, you know, we can sort of resist change, resist responsibility and resist um, growing and, and hold grudges. And I've seen both sides in my family. I've seen where that relationship evolves and it becomes something really special. And I've also seen where, uh, you know, there's animosity and I just refuse to speak to that person because I just cannot grow past what happened. And I think what this person's really talking about is this process of projection. And I think it's really common as a mother myself, I find myself projecting my own fears, emotions, and anxieties onto my children. And that is one of the hardest things to avoid as a parent, especially as a mom, because we hold a lot of responsibility. Whether we want it or not, or whether it's right or wrong, we hold a lot of responsibility for that emotional development of our children. And, um, you know, this person's mother projected a lot of her own issues onto her child and in a way um, really harmed her and I think really invalidated her feelings. As you got to listen to kids. Kids say the most beautiful things and the most wonderful truths. And it's hard to see our children suffer. But I think it's important to remember that we're not there to take the suffering away. And in a way, that's what this mom was trying to do in her projection process was, uh, no, it's just not real. It's not there. If I say it's not there, it's not there. And then I don't have to deal with it. And that's really common with parents, especially um, parents who have children who really struggle with addiction. Uh, You know, we say, oh, that parent's enabling their child. I reframe it and I think of it as that parent cannot emotionally handle the truth that their child has a problem. And so instead of acknowledging it and dealing with it and working through the truth, they avoid it. And so it might look like enabling, but it's really avoidance. I'm avoiding the truth because I can't handle the truth. And that's what happened to this person. Their mom couldn't handle the truth that she was grieving because maybe the mom was grieving. I don't know, but that's that's what happens. When we're as a parent, as a mom, when we're not taking care of ourselves, it makes it really hard to take care of our kids. And it's a kind of weird concept because we get a lot of shame and, and a lot of um, kind of hard knocks about, oh, well, your kids come first. Your kids come first. And that's the way that it is. But really, we have to put ourselves first. And what does that look like? Because we're not really ever taught how to do that. And so it's important that we figure out how to do that and then model that for our children so that they can learn how to take care of themselves too. But I think Parenting and and being a mom is about teaching and guiding our children through the hardships and the suffering because we can't take it away. It's going to happen. We all know that. Hard stuff happens in life. And we help our kids by teaching them and guiding how to get through those really hard emotions. So like for this person who wrote in, that grief, oh, grief is so complicated. But that grief doesn't have to be something we go through alone. Grief can be, um, even if we're not really doing anything, grief can be something that we do t- together. And you don't ever have to be alone in your grief. 
And, and that can be really isolating. So I imagine that this very vulnerable moment you're sharing with your mom, who's supposed to be that person that nurtures you and cares for you, instead invalidating those feelings. A mom who's healthy and taking care of herself will be in that right place to help her child move through those hard times and will be able to validate those feelings, even if it's scary and something we don't want to tackle and go through with our child. Moms sort of have that task of doing that. And I think that's why moms are so important because they are in a position to really, really inspire growth and and are really in a place to nurture their children and help them develop into really strong adults. But also, again, like I said, there's that time, you know, in our 20s where we're becoming adults and we got to work through all that. And that's why I really love this story because that growth that she was able to have to recognize that my mom's not responsible for my feelings anymore and I am responsible for them. And that's very empowering when you get to that point. And I think too, being able to have a relationship with your mom after having difficulties is really, really amazing. And so this person was able to have it. And I feel fortunate and blessed to have seen my own mother model that forgiveness and that kindness. Um, You know, even though she had a very, very toxic relationship with her own mom, she was able to be so nurturing to her own mother because she had done all this work to nurture and care for herself so in those last moments with her mom before she passed she could have peace because she was able to forgive her and I I'm so blessed to be able to have my mom in my life modeling that for me and so this Mother's Day whether you are celebrating it as a mom or grieving it as a mom or celebrating with your mom or grieving your own mother I just encourage you to take care of yourself and love yourself so that you can take care of and nurture those around you. Before we part ways, if you want to hear more, please subscribe. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MFT. If you'd like to email me a story about your family, you can email me at contact at AnnaliseLuceroMFT.com. See you next time. Hey, I'm a trained and licensed therapist, but this podcast is not a substitute for therapeutic advice. If you need help finding a therapist, visit psychologytoday.com.